the Lord, everybody. Praise him, praise him. So, as they said, I got the lucky fruit of the spirit of self-control. <laughs> now, I wish my pastor was here because he's like my spiritual father. He is my spiritual father. And so he's my comfort zone. <laughs> so I know some get out of their comfort zone when pastor's here and they got to preach in front of pastor. But pastor is my comfort zone. So I know if I look at him and he nods his head, I know I'm doing good. <laughs> right? So being able to speak to you tonight is a privilege and an honor that I don't take light. Um, and I just want to give the executive elders and pastor the thanks and the opportunity and the gratitude for being able to be in front of you. Um, so self-control. I want to apologize before I even get started, okay? <laughs> so if it stays quiet, it's okay. <laughs> I'm used to quiet. I teach in quiet until I get the tissue boxes. So it's okay, right? So I wish I would have got love or joy or peace or something fluffy like they are. But I got self-control. So tonight, we've reached the last fruit of the Spirit. And you see what I've gotten? I've gotten a lemon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know what you're in for tonight, okay? So it might be bittersweet. You just, you just hold on, okay? So Galatians, we're going to go ahead and get started. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I'm going to try and take my time um, because there's some things in self-control that we need to slow down with. Amen. So the NLT version modified the words just a little bit. They used love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we can all bear the fruit of self-control by being aware of our own personal character defects, our own shortcomings, right? So are you and I aware of what those shortcomings are? So this is where it gets a little quiet. Right? So look inside yourself. What is your shortcoming? What is your character defect? Can you think of it? Can you think of that one thing? So here's the thing. If we don't bear the fruit of self-control, the thing that we struggle with, the sinful nature, that sin that lies in each one of us, that sin will always have access into our life at will, whenever it wills, if we don't have self-control, if we don't know how to control that thing. So I love how that we're just going to jump right in. So <laughs> hold on. The good stuff comes later. Okay. <laughs> so I love how God made sure that we clearly understood what the flesh looked like what it looked like, to the sinful nature, what it looked like. Because he knew at the core of us um, 
we would have to make a choice. The choice comes down to us. Some days we have good days. Some days we have bad days. Some days we don't want to make a choice. Some days we just want to be self. Some days I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I just want to be myself. And so that's where the spirit of self-control comes in at. Because we all have that percentage of us that can be pulled away. Any of us could be pulled away by the lack of self-control just like that. That simple, that easy. So the Bible even warns us to beware of what's in front of us. In Galatians, um, let's look at what the word says. Galatians 5, 19 and 21. Hopefully in a second my spirit will settle down and I'll get right in my niche. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, and I'm going to read the NLT. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immoralities, impurities, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, self-ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom. So I know there's people that tend to um, focus on those obvious sins, the drunkenness. That's an obvious that we know that that's not okay to do. So let's look at those things that are mm, undertoned that we kind of pass by, that we kind of let go of. Impurity. How many of us have thoughts that we think too long on? How many of us look too long at something? <laughs> Those things can turn into uh, fornication if we play games with them. So some things I'm just going to be open, and I hope that it's okay, right? How many people get mad and leave the church? That's hatred. That's division. Self-ambition. Jealousy. I should be over that ministry. I can do that better than they could. If I was just up there, if I was preaching, if I, if I, self-ambition, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. How many people manipulate? So think of yourself while I'm reading some of these off. Think of yourself. How many of us manipulate? How many of us twist things and manipulate people to get what we want? That's witchcraft. That's sorcery. In case anybody was unaware, manipulation. Don't manipulate somebody to get what you desire. That's not godly, right? Outbursts of anger. <laughs> so who, who do we feel comfortable? Who do you feel comfortable with um, that we just feel that it's okay to just go ahead and yell at? Who is it that we lose our own self-control in front of? Who do we feel comfortable enough to go ahead and scream at the top of our lungs 
I'm sure I'm not the only one that's done that. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one, but, you know, if I am, it's okay. I've been delivered. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> right? But, you know, it, it takes us to be at a place of comfort for me to scream at you and think that our relationship is going to be okay. Because what are we really doing to our relationships when we have outbursts of anger? Even if it's at somebody we don't know, how are we building a relationship? Are we building one or are we tearing it down? Are we building a wall? What is that? Why is it so easy for us to hurt the ones that we say we love? Why is that? How long will we use the excuses, that's just my way? That's just how I say it. They know I love them. Do they really? Do they really? What is the impression that's left in their heart after we've reacted with uncontrolled anger? For whatever reason, many people give in to the urges because it's easier than controlling them. It's easier. But Proverbs 25, 28 says a person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. The neat thing is, is just on Monday in group, we read that same scripture in our devotion. <laughs> but this was done before that. <laughs> so I like how God lines everything up. He really does when it's in between our groups. He always lines it up. But here's the thing. Anything under uncontrolled, anything under control, uncontrolled, if I can say that right, anything uncontrolled in our lives can harm us and our relationships. If it's out of control, it can mess us up. It will mess us up. It will mess up our relationships. Uncontrolled spending. What does that do as a couple? Messes you up. Uncontrolled tongues. What does that do to people at the store? It messes you up. It messes up your testimony. Uncontrolled drinking. It studied said 89% of alcoholics lost their interest in religion during their youth. Drunkenness messes you up. Right? Uncontrolled anger. Uncontrolled lust. So here's where I'm going to stop a little bit, and I hope it doesn't get too uncomfortable. But don't be scared. Lust is not a male gender issue. I'm just saying. Lust is not a male gendered issue. Lust doesn't have a gender. Sometimes we, because we come to church, we like to cover up things and patty cake things and pretend everybody in here is perfect and pretend everybody in here is okay when there's things inside of us that are really hindering us. But we put on this face a fake mask so everybody thinks everything's okay. Lust doesn't have a gender. Lust doesn't have an age. Sorry, it doesn't. It does not have an age. So here's what I say to those with lust issues. Become a sidewalk surveyor. <laughs> if you got trouble with your eyes, mm, see how many cracks are in the ground. I'm just saying. 
<laughs> start counting cracks, okay? You know, become cloud gazers, you know? Mm, that one's an elephant. I don't know, but what's that? That looks like a shark to me. Do something. Sidewalk surveyor. There's a, there is an answer for every problem. Because here's the thing. A, couple, a couple's relationship will not be all that God intended it to be if our desires and our lusts go somewhere else. If we start looking at something else other than what we have, that's a problem. That needs to be tended to. You can put false expectations on the person that you're not even with for the rest of your life by the things that you've looked at. Lust, out of control. Uh, let's see. I wonder what my kids would have looked like if I married that man. I wonder what my life would have been like. Right? <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. Anyhow, how many of us thought about it? If I should have just, if I would have just married them. And then we don't just stop it there. We keep on going. We keep on dreaming. You know, going through these counseling classes, I've learned this one, I've, I've learned this, and it's a big thing, even for you youth, the students. I'm going to make sure I want to say this right. People that indulge themselves in their thoughts and in their imaginations with photos, with pornography, with computers, um, they tend to struggle having a normal relationship with a human. And this is coming from scientists and people that know what they're talking about, so I'm not just making this up. They have struggles with people having a normal relationship with somebody because an imagination, God made our imagination so powerful that when you sit and you think of something so long and so much and it becomes in control of you, Nobody in your life, nobody in the world will ever compare to your imagination. So that gratification will never be filled. So Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We must have the spirit of self-control. I don't control my spouse. Here's the thing. Know this. I don't control my spouse. Say it. I don't control my spouse. <laughs> I don't control my friends. Notice this. I didn't say I don't control my children. <laughs> I'm just saying. Notice that. They may be grown, but notice. I will never say I don't control my children. Control your children, please. <laughs> Amen, because that is biblical, right? So I'm going <laughs> to, I am going to use driving as an analogy because I wanted something that everybody could relate to, right? And I know that those that are in my Genesis group or have been through my Genesis group or in Celebrate Recovery have already buckled up. 
So now I'm going to tell all of you that have never been, buckle up, okay? Pretend, buckle up, get your seatbelt on, here we go, right? So here we go, we're going on a drive, right? We're on the road. We don't control which way the road is going. We don't control the other cars. We don't control the signs that they put on the road. Nor do we control the potholes that are in the middle of the road. We don't even control where they place a bridge or if we even can avoid the bridge, right? So we have to learn these things. We have to know, we have to have a right relationship with God so that he can give us directions. We need to know the rules of the road. Where do those come from? The word of God. Before we even get the keys to the car in our hand, as being 16-year-old and so excited to have those keys, before we even get the keys in our hand, we need to have and know the destination in mind. So we need to spend the time with God. Our relationship with God is the most important thing. So after we get in the car, we adjust the seat, we adjust the mirrors. We, ladies, adjust the air <laughs> so that it fits us just right. We make the atmosphere comfortable. But did we spend the time in our reading to make our spirits right, to make our attitudes right? Because here's what I've noticed about myself. If I haven't spent time with God, if I haven't spent time in the word, I don't have clear direction. Not at all. My spirit inside is not settled. I can become short-tempered because <laughs> I'm anxious, I'm stressed because I don't have the direction that I need. My GPS, some of us, you, I cannot go anywhere without my GPS. So the word of God guides us. It tells us where to go. It tells us how to go. It tells us what to do, how to get there, what turn to take. And if we take a wrong turn with that, what happens when we take a wrong turn? It reroutes us, right? So we have to make sure that we're in right relationships and we've got the word of God in our heart, in our heart, so that we have that direction that we need for our lives, right? Here we go. We all needed, we all needed to take the rules of the road test, right? So we all had to learn what those signs meant before we got our driver's license, right? Remember the little signs in the test? It's, right, I have to take mine in two years, so I'm good for right now. <laughs> right, I catch up on the signs in a minute, but we all have to know the signs. But here's the thing, we all know the stop sign. Even those that don't know how to drive know what a stop sign is and what it's for. So why is it we that do have our license, sometimes we just kind of stop and roll? You know what I'm saying? We don't stop all the way. We stop enough j and just keep on rolling through it. So how many times have we pulled up to a stop sign and just kept rolling? How many times has God given us a sign and we just kept rolling? 
How many times has our spouse's sign said, I need your time? How many of our kids' signs say, I want you to be proud of me? We just keep on rolling, rolling right through those signs. And they're all around us. Our relationships need us to have self-control. They need us to stop. Relationships require self-control. If we build our relationships the way God intended us, they should be like this. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, reverence your husband. Children, honor your parents. So really, our families should consist of love, reverence, and honor. Within those three things is self-control. It's self-control. Amen? When I think of what self-control means to me, it means denying myself for someone else. But with, here's, I'll tell you guys a little, a little tidbit of Steve and I's part of our testimony. When Steve would be in the midst of his struggle, I used to fuss and fight and fuss some more because I knew I was right, and I knew God's word was on my side, and I sure that God was going to be with me because I was right, and he was wrong, and, but was I really? Because if I'm reverencing, I wouldn't be fussing. If I'm reverencing, I wouldn't be fighting. Love, reverence, and honor. And here's what else I've learned because of all the work that God has done on me. <laughs> I now know clearly that every negative situation that happens in my house doesn't deserve my response. It doesn't deserve my emotions. It just doesn't. So why would we feed it? It doesn't deserve it. Self-control 101 made simple with my road analogy. We control our own cars. We react and respond to every car that's in front of us, next to us, that gets in close to us. If the car gets too close, we adjust to the side, right? We move. We adjust to the atmosphere. If it starts to rain, if it starts to snow, we slow down. We adjust. Everything on the road, we adjust. Having self-control in healthy relationships looks the same way, the very same way. Why should our self-control change because someone else's schedule did? So relate that into your family. When something comes up and unexpected, why should your self-control change? Why should our attitude change? Why shouldn't it be, okay, let's deal with today? Okay, this is new. Let's roll with it. Not roll through it, but let's go with it. It changes. It's okay. Why is it we struggle with adjusting to someone else's pothole? Or why is it that we don't slow down to avoid a collision? 
or pull over to help somebody fix a flat tire. When our friends at school are struggling and they need our advice because we are the only ones in the school with Jesus, why aren't we stopping and giving them what they need? Why aren't we doing that at our job? We see somebody falling into a pothole, just wrecked their car. Why aren't we stopping and say, hey, we have free counseling at the Pentecostal church. Why aren't we saying we have celebrate recovery if you need help? We have a whole lot of answers for a whole lot of people in this church. But we have to make it available. Self-control is not a good idea. It's a God idea. Self-control is not, is not self-improvement. It's self-control. It's the will of God. If you've ever wondered what CR is like, I'm going to give you a little, some analogies and things that we use in CR. Um, little tips that we do um, and tips that we've had for self-control. Right? Okay? Uh, when we go up a mountain, when you're going up a mountain, you're traveling on a road, even like Brother Hawks and Sister Hawks had those pictures of the mountain, the mountainside that they were going down, and it had this really huge road on it. But you notice they didn't walk as close as they possibly could to the edge of that mountain. Where was Sister Hawks? Do you guys remember that picture? Where was Sister Hawks at? If she could have been glued to that wall, that's where she was at. <laughs> I know she was right up against the wall as close as she could because we've got to figure out and we've got to be aware of the dangers in, in, in areas that um, can be dangerous for our walk. Um, they've placed... Let me go on my own instead of off my notes. That's when I get confused. They've placed warning signs miles ahead of where the danger spot lies. Why is that? There's a here's a warning sign. Why is it that the guardrail is five miles up the road? Because enough people have went so far up that road and have gone off a cliff. Somebody has paid that price for that warning sign to be ahead of there, the five miles ahead. They've paid the ultimate price with their life so that they put a guardrail up. How many of us are willing to pay the ultimate price, the sacrifice of our salvation for the lack of self-control, for the lack of a warning sign, for the lack of a guardrail? Are you aware of those things? Are you aware of those things that set you up, set you off? We have to be. Think about it. What sets you up for failure? What sets you up? Is it anger? Is it jealousy? Envy? Our list that we had earlier? It doesn't have to be drunkenness. It doesn't have to be an addiction. It can be the one, it, it's 10 times more likely to be one of those secret things than it is one of those things that are outward. If self-control wasn't so important, God would not have made it one of the fruits of the Spirit. 
So we have to be able to look at ourselves and identify our struggles. Identify it. It's okay. <laughs> we all have them. I'm just saying. We all have them. No matter how perfect we think we are, we have something. Because otherwise, we might be like Elijah and just get zapped up. Because God loved him so. But I don't think we're, we're in that boat right now. We all have something that we need to adjust. We all have something that we need to work on. That's usually why it gets real quiet when I start talking about struggles, because we all have them. It's okay. Because admitting it is the first step to finding a solution to the problem. Admitting it will actually set you free. Identifying the problem then you can come up with the solution. But you cannot until you do. It's in order. It's in order. It really is. God said in his word that if we confess our faults one to another, what's a fault? <laughs> ah, a struggle we confess our faults one to another we may be healed we cannot be healed until we confess I'm not saying run around the church and tell everybody what your mess is <laughs> don't do that I'm just saying find the one safe person the one safe person one it's all it takes confess your faults one to another that you may be healed because then the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. How come God didn't talk about the righteous man before the confession? If we were all right. Because there's things in each one of us that we have to confess. And when we get to the last thing that we have, God will show us the next one that we're gone. Right? Denial keeps us stuck, admitting a Admitting it sets us free. We're only as sick as our secrets. Recovery is so over, overworked, overplayed, overstated. Recovery just simply means to return to a healthy state. Just so everybody's aware of that. What area in your life needs to return to a healthy state? There is something. So... That was my CR plug, <laughs> right? That was my CR plug. So what does a guardrail look like? Some of us have anger that's unhealthy, in an unhealthy place. What button pushes that? What's, what makes you go to that refrigerator and eat? What makes you think that you need to start yelling? What is that button? In Genesis, we call it, name that button. Here's the thing. Emotions add spice to life. They do, and we need them. God gave them to us. He wanted us to have them. But a person that allows their emotions to determine their day has got it backwards. Emotions can be detrimental if we let them out of control. Detrimental. When people are feelers, 
right? When they're feelers, everything that happens in their life is attached to an emotion. You need to place a guardrail. You need to place a warning sign. Like Brother Russell, before he even gets out of bed, Brother Russell, before his feet hits the floor, says, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Warning sign, um, I'm not getting out of bed and going to have an attitude with somebody. Warning sign, so then here's a guardrail. So then when my day goes on and I've already spent my time in prayer and I've already put, you know, um, did what I read my word, and now I have a guardrail up. So then when it's time to have a conversation with somebody, I'm not going to feel. It's not going to be about a feeling. It's going to be about the discussion. Right? People fall in and out of love. I, I don't understand that one, but people fall in and out of love all the time. Society bombards us with the idea of falling, following our feelings. And then they tell us what makes us happy. Then they tell us the thing that makes us happy is something new. After the other thing that they just told us made us happy, now we got to have a new happy. We have to buy something else. Guardrails. Feelings can be ruled over. Feelings can be controlled by the help of God and his spirit. God's spirit will help us say, no, I don't need that. No, I don't care about how I feel. We have to determine within ourselves, not today. Not today. Emotions, not today. Before God worked me over, I keep saying that because it was, it was a work over, right? My emotions could get so out of control, and I would feel, I would, every fiber of my body would feel it. Whatever emotion, anger, resentment, bitterness, you name it, I was feeling it. I would go buy every piece of makeup in the store, and I'm not talking about last year, the year before. I'm talking, you know, maybe, what, five years ago? So don't think things has to go back 20 years. But I looked okay coming to church. <laughs> I looked okay. But once I started feeling, all my emotions would go. My inner sinful nature would take control. And then out of jealousy, resentment, anger, bitterness, um, I'd go get my makeup. I'd get in the car. I'd have plans to go to the bar. Don't think any less of me. That's the truth. I would, that's real life. That's real life. And say, um, I'm going to go to the bar. And then the spirit that's inside me says, Kelly, look in your mirror. You don't look right. <laughs> that's not who you are. Turn the car around call Sister Vivian every time. And then God worked me over. We've got, you know, every one of us has something that God needs to work over and work out of us. Right? Um, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't have big or little. It doesn't have a measurement. It's just... That we say that it's just a little lie. 
it wasn't that bad. I only yelled because I was right. If they only would have agreed with me, well, I wouldn't have had to yell. Self-control is self-under control. Look at Titus 2, 11 and 12. And I'm going to read the NLV, NIV. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. In this present age. In this present age of disorder, chaos, and confusion. We can live upright, godly lives. And I say that because we know people in this church that have placed guardrails, that have done certain things, and didn't even realize that's what they were doing. I mean, you talk about Brother David, <laughs> right? Some of you guys don't know, but Brother David used to have a gambling problem, right? But Brother David realized something had to change. Something drastic had to be different when he stopped gambling and he would still take the same route home and the temptation was right in his face. Something had to change. Warning sign for Brother David was that temptation is right here. It's right in my face. What do I have to do? I have to put up a guardrail. What Brother David do? New route home. Is that drastic? Nope, that's something that needed to be done. He may still be in that struggle today. That whole family could still be bound today with that issue had he not put up a guardrail and chose to go a different way. How many of us can choose to do something different? It may be drastic. It may feel drastic, but so be it. So be it. If it protects your house and your family, so be it. Self-control. The ladies that have gone through um, Genesis and that are in it now have learned how to identify where their emotions are, where their mind's at. They've learned how to become of their emotions, where they're going, how to stop them, how to stop learned behavior. Because life has its issues. We all grow up. We all have imperfect parents. We all have things that happen in our lives. We've all been hurt by family. We've all been hurt by friends. We've all had things that happened in school. We've all, we've all, we've all. So life has taught us certain lessons. Life has taught us in those lessons a certain behavior. So if I get angry, some people go eat. If some people get depressed, they run on a treadmill. Some people that fear may laugh all the time. Life has taught each one of us certain behaviors. But they don't have to stay there. 
because God wants you to be honest with him and yourself. He wants you to be authentic, the authentic you that he created you to be. So the more you can identify your struggle, the better off you'll be. (laughs) I look for my problems. Look for them because then I can, me and God can start working on them. Having a problem isn't a bad thing. It's a bad thing when we ignore the problem. When we come to an altar Sunday after Sunday, Thursday after Thursday, and we're up here and we're praying for other people, and our heart is just crushing in us because there's some kind of struggle in our own life that we are too scared to tell somebody, hey, you know what? I'm hurt. I'm hurt, and this is what my problem is. Or I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to pay my bills because whatever the reason, you fill in the blank. Why is it we come to church and try to pretend like we're all that? This is the place that's supposed to be the hospital. So why, so why would it be that everybody in this place is healthy? Self-control, self-under control. We have to be able to identify things. We have to pick them out, and we have to give them to God. With, with that being said, you know, we come in. I don't know why I'm going on that tangent. We come in, we're praying, and... We think we're praying and we think we left it at the altar and we get through and we're like, oh, yeah, I got the victory. And then we go out and do the same thing the next time somebody pushes that button. Why does that happen? Why do I lay burdens down on the altar? And then as soon as, as, soon as somebody says that same behavior pops out. Why is it that I continue to react the same way? Because we really haven't let it go. Or because we're too afraid to let it go. Or we've held on to it too long. We don't know how to let it go. We have to be able to identify things. Ditches can be avoided. Accidents can be be prevented. If we say no to all that God forbids, if we say yes to all that God commands, if we say no to all that hinders me, even when it's not forbidden. Some shows aren't bad unless you have a lust problem. Guardrail. Decide within yourself. Decide with your accountability partner. Even pastor has an accountability partner. I have two. Does that make me worse? Makes me, I am accountable. I want to make sure that I have one person accountable for one, one part of my life and the other one accountable for my spiritual walk. Accountability. If we say yes to all the things that is a blessing, even if it's not commanded, why is it hard 
for us to say, if that's what you want, babe, even today, <laughs> taking Steve to work, you know, we still have issues, all of us. Steve says, we stopped through the drive-thru at the Burger King, and they said, oh, pull up front, um, and I'll bring it out to you. Steve says, babe, why don't you go inside and see what's taking so long? <laughs> That's what I said on the inside. <laughs> like, okay, sure. So I did. But the first part of me tweaked just a little bit. <laughs> it tweaked a little bit and said, oh, this is what it looks like to do what my husband asks, even if I don't feel like it. Is it a really a big deal for me to go in there and find out what's taking so long? Because chances are, had I not denied myself and did what he wanted, chances are he may get a little bit more upset and, why don't you just do what I ask you to do? And boom. Why is it we struggle with things, giving of ourselves with the ones that we love? Self-denial, self-sacrificing. Paul gives us several principles to help us make decisions in these questionable areas. Here's one. Will it lead me to freedom or slavery? 1 Corinthians 6.12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. What is it that has power over you? I will not be brought under power of any. It used to be a 12 o'clock egg sandwich for me. Every night until I identified that was a problem. <laughs> That was a problem. I didn't know why I would wake up immediately at 12 o'clock every night and had to have an egg sandwich. That's a problem. I should be asleep. Was it bad for me? Nope. But nothing shall have rule or power over me. And if I can't make the decision not to get up out of bed to go downstairs to fry me some eggs and have an egg sandwich, that's a problem. Is it going to send me to hell? Probably not, but that's a problem. So see, some things aren't as bad as we try to make them out to be, but if it has power over you and you can't stop yourself from doing it, that's a problem. If you have to fight over the air conditioner, the temperature, Kaylin and I figured it out. <laughs> Kaylin likes it hot and I have too many hot flashes. So... She turns her seat on and turns her vent up. I roll my window down, and we have an air battle. We don't fight about it anymore. That's just what we do. She's over there roasting. She's got the, the heater up on high, and I've got mine on low, and I've got my window down. We don't fight over it. <laughs> we let the, the atmosphere take control. Whoever wins, wins. So we have to have self-control, right? Will it, here's the next one, another principle. 
Will it be a stumbling block or a stepping stone? Let that make the decision. Will it help me glorify God? Will it help me do better for the kingdom? Or will it make me fall? What's it going to do? 1 Corinthians 8.19. Or 8.9, I'm sorry. Sister Lena. (laughs) I won't scare you up there. But take heed lest any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. If what I do causes a brother or a sister to fall, shame on me. Shame on me. Because here's the thing. I don't want to pick on Applebee's or nothing, but, you know, we all like to go out to eat, right? And sometimes we have family that don't think about it at all to go sit up at the bar and watch the football on the TVs. Now, if I did that and that caused my brother to fall in his mind and make them start thinking about using again, shame on me. What is our motives? What are we doing around our family members? Are we their stumbling block? Or are we their stepping stone? Will it build me up is the third one. Will it build me up or tear me down? Will it please me or glorify God? These are ways to determine those iffy questions. Will it please me or will it glorify God? Will it help me win the lost or will it turn them away? 1 Corinthians 10.33, even as I please all me in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Sounds like denying myself. Sounds like self-control. So if we all work with God and acknowledge the areas we lack self-control in, we all acknowledge the things that we struggle with by being completely honest with him because he already knows he's just waiting on us we can if we become self-aware of our thoughts our actions our motives the spirit of self-control will be produced in our lives and in our relationships with god with our spouses, with our friends, with our family, with our children, if we are willing to deny ourselves. Here's something that God showed me on the way home, and that's the whole reason for the car analogy is right here. I'm driving. I take Steve to work every day. And on my way home, I was driving. And God said, oh, he's like, look in your mirror. Look in the rear of your mirror. So I'm like, yeah, okay. So I look up and I look in the mirror. And then at the same time, I'm looking in front because I am driving in traffic. And I am going 55. So I do what God tells me, but yet I'm still minding the traffic. And so then in this one moment, just one moment, I kind of looked between the two of them. I'm looking through the windshield. 
and I'm looking in the rearview mirror at that same time. And he said, where you've been should always look smaller than where you're going. Because it's only, here's, here's the thing. It's only a matter of time. It doesn't matter what we start off with our struggles. Where we're going is going to be so much greater than where we've been. The same struggle that we had then is not going to be if we're working with God. It won't be where we're going. You know, and in that image that he clearly said, where you've been should always look smaller than where you're going. He just impressed on me that, you know, the further I walk with God, the more I'm going. Every minute that I'm driving, the smaller and the more distance that I get from where I started. So before long, I can't even see where I began. I know in my head where I started. That's just the same with our, our walk with God spiritually. We know in our head where we started. But that's not where we're going. The things that we start with should not end up in where we're going. Amen. So here's, <laughs> God is, is so awesome in his awesomenesses. He is. <laughs> Chris always makes fun of me because I make up my own words. In his awesomenesses because he's just so great. He's bigger than awesome, you know, so he's got awesomenesses. <laughs> so we know where we've been we own our struggle but we focus on where we're going we follow the rules of the road we place warning signs and guardrails where we need to we'll be all right we will be all right because here's the thing if we love right he connected the dots for me in in how he wrote the order of the fruits of the spirit. He started with love and he ended with self-control. Mm. <laughs> started with love. Jesus denied himself and died on the cross. He ended with self-control. That's our responsibility to deny ourselves. And in between the two denials of ourselves in the sacrificial love and the denying of ourselves, in between there, the fruit of joy comes. It bears itself. As long as I'm denying myself, the fruit of kindness, gentleness, all come naturally. They all come natural. If I'm walking in the fruit of love and operating in the spirit of self-control. Gentleness, meekness, long-suffering, because if I love you right, I'm going to be able to tolerate it. <laughs> and if I have enough self-control, I'll be able to love you through it. Amen? I don't know if we have somebody to come play. But so at this time, I'm going to go ahead and do an altar call. So I want you to take that thing that you thought of. And I want you to be honest with God, and I want you to give it to him. And I want you to see exactly where God wants you to place it. 